Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your morning, my course as usual, Aiden. Hi, guys. How's everybody doing? You know, Arsenal take on West Brom and we take on Chelsea. Uh, for me personally, taking on the West Brom game, it was kind of, you know, I was still thinking about the defeat to Villarreal. So, you know, it was tough to get myself motivated to get to watch the game. But nonetheless, you know, still rooting for the, the Gunners and hoping we would get the three points against a Palace, um, against a West Brom side who was very much desperate for any point. Yeah, and I mean, look, as you said now, you know, post-Europa League um, hangover, um, our, like, you know, many Arsenal fans, I think, you know, we were still, like, you know, licking the wounds from the Villarreal game, and I just think to myself, I mean, as you said, it was tough to get yourself motivated, because, look, I'm, I'm normally somebody that, um, you know, I like looking like an hour before kickoff, you know, that you have the whole anticipation of seeing the lineup and stuff like that, but I mean... For once, I mean, in a long time, I actually just ignored everything until, you know, take five or ten minutes before kickoff, you know, start seeing the lineup. But, I mean, that being said, onto the game, West Brom, you know, they start very fast out of the blocks. I mean, I was actually quite surprised because I actually thought I'm going to see a more reactionary Arsenal, you know, from the defeat. But, I mean, West Brom, as you said, they were playing now, well, fighting for tooth and nail for every little point now that, they, that was an offer. Um, fourth minute already. Uh, Pereira, I mean, for me, he's also been a handful for everybody, I think, this season. I mean, I was telling my son, actually, wherever he goes, I mean, no matter, like, you know, no matter how the West Brom's uh, season will now pan out eventually in the coming weeks, you can actually see he could be somebody that could, you know, really be a vital uh, player to, to any side. Because I think when you see him even come up against top teams and you see him always you know, up there with getting like seven and a half out of ten or eight out of ten and stuff like that. So he's almost like he's got a sort of, uh, you know, he has a decent average for a player that, that's playing for a team like West Brom. He has, lot of cuts. He, has a, he has a lot of cuts as well, you know. He, he has that bravery to take on to take on opposition players. So, you know, something that sometimes Arsenal, Arsenal's team lack at times where there's no that, how can you say... Guts is the word because they sometimes they're always looking to pass the ball to the next person, or you know, it, uh, they, they can't make something out of nothing. And he's probably that guy that can do something like that. So, you know, he, he definitely could add a dimension to any team. I'm not saying Arsenal will sign him or should sign him, but he's definitely a good player to have in your squad. And you know, Arsenal playing against a side against a West Brom side who was desperate for points, but Arsenal, you know, didn't seem much. Um, how could you say they, they, were, they weren't motivated for the first part of this game because there wasn't much to, to talk about in the first um, for, for, let's call it first 15 minutes of the game from Arsenal attacking wise yeah because I mean look I think we six minutes I think we just blazed over one shot of, of Pepe and then I mean after that then, uh, you know West Brom were at it again because uh, there was a moment in the 12th minute where Pereira again aims a, a, a shot top ends and I mean Leno, I mean, Leno, of course, was scrambling to get across his line. But, I mean, again, a warning, close warning shot for Arsenal. But then, 29th minute, William then plays uh, in Saka on the overlap. And, I mean, Saka ends up whooping a, a nice looping cross. And, I mean, uh, for me, I didn't really pick it up immediately. But, I mean, Emil Smith ends up bursting through and smashes the ball past the keeper. One more Arsenal, seemingly against the run of play. Yeah, his first goal of the season in the Premier League, first goal in the Premier League. 
And what what annoyed me was that you said it was seemingly against the run of play. I mean, you know, you're playing against a West Brom side, no disrespect to West Brom. But even that seemed like a struggle until like the 29th minute when we broke the deadlock. And you got to wonder, like, you know, what is Arsenal side's identity at the moment? Are they a side that's going to play counter-attacking football? Or they a side that's going to try to actually, you know, at, at home they will play you off the park and murder you at, at the Emirates Stadium? Yeah, because, I mean, I, I just think, I mean, that's something that you and I have been talking about most of the season as well. It's like, there are just too many people that are hiding on the pitch because, you know, when you see, say, a, like a midfield we're coming up against and you see the players that we sort of have now in our in our squad, why do they get just dominated or overpowered? I mean, I can understand when you're going toe-to-toe with, say, a, one of the top six sides. But, I mean, as you said now, you have to start putting teams like this to the sword. I mean, you can't, you know, faff about, like, you know, knocking the ball about and whatever, because there's been times this season, and I think that's also been so infuriating at times in, in the last months now, even seasons, when you watch them play, you think they're building up this head of steam, but then every time it's like, they, they, you know, you lose all, I mean, I, well, I don't know if the players don't pick it up, but you leave a lot, you lose a lot of momentum if you're driving forward with a, with a team, like passing and then, and all of a sudden, you now you're going to stop and you're going to wait and you, Almost like for support. So you've got the runners that are kind of asleep on the heels. You've got, you know, uh, midfielders that aren't creative enough. So, I mean, that is why that, that, that set me throughout, I think, a couple of weeks ago with, uh, I mean, up to then, like a few weeks weeks ago, where it was just two goals coming, uh, two assists coming from midfield. Yeah, that's, 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 that's quite uh, alarming. If you tell me, I mean, you're telling me our defence sometimes assists a bit more than what our, uh, our, our midfielders are doing. And I mean, you know, look at that, Danny Ceballos. Like, you know, I was a big fan of him at the end of last season and saying, like, I hope we sign him back, I hope we sign him back. But, you know, this season makes you, you realise that, like, you know, you can't have players like that in your team. I mean, it's going to lead up back to, to also other talking points in this very match, actually. Um, in the 35th minute, Arsenal then double the lead. Pepe gets the ball, played from a short Callum Chambers pass. He uh, then cuts inside, pass uh, the left-back Connor Townsend. And I mean, I didn't really expect it. I mean, I knew that uh, either a cross or a low drive was going to come in, but I mean, Pepe ends up just leathering the ball into the top corner, 2-0 Arsenal. You know, but there's something about Pepe at the moment. You know, I've, I've been his biggest critic over the past few seasons, two seasons. But, you know, he has popped up with some important moments. If you look at the FA Cup final, FA Cup um, semi-final, even the penalty in the quarter-final, I mean, even in the Europa League as well, he, he's, he's stepped up in some in some moments. But, you know, it's just his overall gameplay. You just want him to have a more, be more consistent in the future. But, I mean, if he can carry on, on this upward trajectory, I mean, who knows what next season could have in store for him. And a very well-taken finish, as you said. Yeah, and I mean, look, he's now got all in all 17 goals in all competitions. And, I mean, it's in, in the Premier League, it's 12 goals and five assists. Oh, wow. And, you, you know, we always mention about the 10 assists coming from, you know, out wide of midfield. So... You know, I give credit where it's due. Maybe his performances, you know, aren't always um, top, top notch. But I mean, he's adding the goals from from midfield or from out wide. So, if if you just had someone else contributing with him and our and our striker, you know, who knows what would have 
what 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 the tail of the tape would have been. And you know, it's such a shame at the other at the end of the the pitch. <laughs> so left back Townsend ends up, you know, whooping a cross in for a jai, and I mean he ends up beating a looping header, which Leno's then forced to tip over. And I mean, kind of warning sign, even though the flow was going one direction, but I mean we were still having to, you know, be on our heels with him. Yeah, I know. I it just seems that Arsenal just you know does don't know how to really the team to the sword. I mean, even at 2-0 up, you know, you just slow the game down, just just kill the tempo, just just kind of nullify West Brom for a bit before you just then, you know, eat into overdrive again, or even see the game out, you know, convincingly to half time to, to be 2-0. Then 41st minute, William then free sucker down the left flank again. Uh, this time, the left back, you know, whips the ball into the box. Gabriel then makes, you know, contact with the ball, but I mean, Kyle Bartley, ex-Arsenal youngster, he ends up just getting ahead of the ball and makes a decent block, you know, to deny Arsenal. Yeah, it just shows what, what the deficit makes having a... You know, Xhaka did a very good job, no disrespect to him as a attacking... I'm mean, not as attacking, as a left-back, but it's, it's just such an amazing difference when you have somebody playing at left-back that is making overlapping runs or making additional runs to, to, to occupy, you know, the opposition defence. So, yeah, you know, Saka did extremely well at left-back and it was causing so much havoc on that side. That's why, you know, you know, you bring up a, a great point here because it actually makes you think about how Arsenal, have, you know, was like let the, the squad down because, you know, look, we weren't the biggest Colosina fans, but why let somebody go, you know, as a natural left-back? Yeah. Not, left wing back or, 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 or a winger converted to whatever, an actual left back. And I mean, you, you allow the one to go, so all of the, the pressure was already was going to be on Kieran Tierney. And you can see sometimes Saka doesn't really, I mean, he'll play there for the team because, look, he is a team player. But you can see he doesn't really want to be there. So, yeah. I mean, why can they either bring in somebody or promote somebody from within the club to take over that slot? Because at... For me, it ended up causing so much imbalance into the squad because now you take Xhaka in a role that he was kind of comfortable. I mean, I'm not saying he's he's actually world class in that position, but he actually gave us a sort of yeah. figure in the middle of the park, you know, that you can play to and slow the game down or pick up the pace or stuff like that. But now you take that cog out of that machine and you're putting him into a like a left uh, back position, which he, I mean, you another one that. You know, you'll do something for the team, but it's not really a natural position. So it looks like it cut out. I mean, to be honest, I actually wonder about how much it actually cut the, the, the goal threat of us just having Xhaka there. And I mean, as, as we both have been saying, he did a fantastic job as a left-back. But I mean, when you think of what all what entails being a left-back, I mean, it's not just defending. It's also like how you, you know, driving your opponent further back. How you also being a threat from the flanks when you have to, you know, whipping crosses or, you know, lay off whatever. But, I mean, you're always that extra man on the overlap even. So, you just wonder how much, just through a decision, I mean, I don't know if it was now Arteta or the, the, the you know, higher ups at the club, where they weren't going to now bring in a left back, but they allow the, like, almost like the second choice left back just to leave, like, without really putting up any sort of fighting. You know, you make a valid point, you know, also, like, how much it impacted the team because, a guy like Jacques, how much that would have happened in those games he played left back, but he has a screaming, booming shot that um, opposition has to also watch out for. You know, you can't back off from Jacques, so he kind of opens space as well sometimes in the middle of the field, and he's 
his long passes, even though sometimes it doesn't always come off, but it adds a bit of a dimension to the Arsenal team. So, you know, who knows what could have happened if Arsenal were, but you know, they thought things through a bit because, I mean, you, you can't play just with one left back. You're not taking into account any injury concerns. So, yeah, it kind of hampered the squad a bit. But Saka, you know, showed again, once again, the importance of having a, a left back that can cause an attacking threat. And I'm just thinking, we've been also spoiled for riches on the right side. So we got like, you know, three to even four people that can't play in emergencies on a, on the right back position. But for me, it's like the left back has also been a sore thumb. I mean, even down the years, if you think about Arsenal, there's always been a sort of lacking. I mean, after that period with, with say, Clichy and, and, and Ashley Cole down that flank where they could, you know, alternate them yeah. and... and, and you added that thing always, but it's not like you're taking anything away from the side. You're still going to have that attacking threat. You're still going to have that defensive strength. But I mean, it's almost like on the left over the like the years now, we haven't really had somebody that can either keep up now, say someone now with, with, with someone like Tierney, where you have that level, you know, that it's almost like waiting in the wings as a backup. That I think that sort of thing we need to also look at in the summer. Because I mean, yeah. I, I, we're probably just going to take whatever we can get as a left back, but. Uh, because look at that Ryan Bertrand is still, you know, topic of discussion at the moment. Like, because look, he's already confirmed that he's going to leave. And I think even Van Arnold is also going to leave Palace. And then and Van Arnold, uh, Southampton. So, I mean, he is also probably opening for someone, of a, a defender like that, with the experience to come in as a backup. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it would have been so nice to have a Nacho Monreal, you know, when he was doing well with a Kieran Tierney type player as well. So... You know, hopefully we can find some sort of combination there in the left back because as a truly important, your wing backs are truly important on the pitch. They they cause a lot of space out wide. So, and Saka was doing that, and, and yeah, we 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 need to fix that. I mean, we, you and I spoke about this, you know, in the January transfer window, and and now we're speaking about it again. So, you know, you you have to wonder where is this negligence coming from? Is it from Arteta or is it from like the high ups that you say saying, you know, we why do we need to spend on a left back? Saka is playing left can play left back if needed or you can play someone else there. Yeah. So in the second half, uh Arsenal come out again the seven hour ball on the front foot. And I think Arsenal now also sense that, you know, the they there now West Brom is now there for the for the taking. And you know, forty ninth minute paper then forces uh Johnston into a fine save. I mean, I actually thought he injured the keeper because, I mean, there was so much ferocity in that shot when the keeper had to save low at his, at his near post. Um, then a minute later, William then has a shot charged down, but, I mean, Smith Rowe ends up eating the rebound, but, I mean, a very tame shot at the keeper man, just to save. Then on the hour mark, Pepe then gets a cross in and then, you know, the, the strike on the day, Martinelli, he ends up, I don't know if he... <laughs> even his whole adjustment of his body I found weird because, look, as I said, or listeners even know, look, you also played football back in the day. When a ball is crossed like that, you are actually sliding more, you know, with an outstretched leg. And I don't know for some reason, Martinelli is actually falling forward towards the ball. <laughs> and of course, that kind of puts in, puts off Smith Rowe coming in at the back post and he ends up missing the ball. It's almost like the ball just slides in between the two of them. But I mean, a, a guilt edge miss. Um, also, then like a minute later, then uh, takes off this whole Martinelli upfront experiment. He then comes off, Lacazette comes on. A few minutes later, Smith Rowe then comes off. Kieran Tierney comes on this time. So it was like, you know, 
also can get some sort of normality back in the uh, setup of the squad. Then 67 minute Pereira, then, and this is now we're going to lead to that point that you made earlier. Mm-hmm. Pereira ends up picking the ball in the West Brom half, and all of a sudden he turns and starts heading towards the, the Arsenal goal. But when he goes on this sort of amazing run, and I mean, when the camera starts panning out, you actually see how bad Sebastian starts looking because <laughs> he literally from the halfway line, he's struggling already. And and I mean, Pereira, you can see, he was not sprinting. I mean, you know for yourself, you've watched people like where they're playing it. It was just like a loping run, almost like a Vieira type run. Yeah. He's like gently, gently, and the more he's like gently striding away, Sebastian is going almost like full speed flat out, and he's just not getting <laughs> anywhere even close. So, I mean, Arsenal defenders, of course, back off. There's no real protection coming from party either. Or not from party, from... On any. On any, yeah. They, of course, all back off. And almost like, just ball watch. And I mean, this is something I actually hate about Arsenal sometimes. When they do this sort of, like, defending in air quotes. And, yeah, that uh, Pereira, then, of course, just ends up passing the ball past Leno. That wasn't even a real shot. He just passes past him. And uh, 2-1 Arsenal. I mean, you know, I don't see why nobody closed him down because he was running man alone basically when he was he got the ball. There was no no real support for him, and Arsenal were just backing off and backing off and backing off. So, you know, unacceptable goal to concede, mm-hmm. and you know, it, 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 it started putting a lot of nerves into the game. And obviously, West Brom had a lifeline to just keep the Premier League status alive for for one more day until the one of the relegation rivals play. Yeah, then uh, 76 minutes, Arsenal then took off Semoyos. Uh, I mean, for me, it was also, again, way too late with the substitutions with, you know, with something so ineffective like him. Uh, Thomas Parton comes on, who's also not been, you know, a, a shining ray of light this, uh, this latter few games. Um, then 89 minutes, Arsenal, after, you know, after being fouled, William then ends up dusting himself off, steps up. And then, of course, when he now steps up to take the free kick, you know, the, he gets so much whip and dip on the ball. I mean, I haven't seen it from an Arsenal player in general. But, I mean, it ends up beating the wall and the keeper, and it goes in. Sublime free kick, 3-1 Arsenal. Yeah, uh, good, good, good result in the end. But, you know, a little too late um, for, from Arsenal. I think, you know, me, personally, Miel Smith-Rowe did quite well before, you know, getting taken off his secondary runs. Is is always good. He's always opening up, unlocking defenses, and it just seems like you know you, you get the best out of him when Martin Odegaard is not on the field, and just he, because it's almost like Martin Odegaard occupies the, the the spaces and channels he wants to run into. But you know, three one Arsenal, and you you had you wondered to yourself, you know, was this a little too late in the season for Arsenal to 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 rack up these sort of results because. I mean, you know, who knows where we would have been if we turned a, a one-one draw to to um, relegation Fulham. Mm. And yeah, it's just a bit disappointing, you know. You you go one step forward and two steps back. So yeah, you know, you take the three points and we move on to our our London rivals, Chelsea, who were high flying at the moment. You know, if I cup we just beat Man City the weekend. Um, FA Cup finalists, you know, um, Champions League finalists. So they were a team on top of the world coming against Arsenal, you know, who, who are simply trying to limp into a place for Europe. And I mean, like, going to the game, I was kind of oblivious to our last three points there, which was 
on the 29th of October 2011 in that 5-3 win. I can't I mean, believe I, that, actually. I, I, I was just shocked when, 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 um, uh, when you told me that. Like, oh, no, I had also about that previously. That, that, that hasn't been since then. I was like, oh, have we not beaten Chelsea at Stafford Bridge for that long? So, I mean, Arsenal go into the game with five changes, I believe. If I, I mean, I stand to be corrected. Uh, Chelsea made something like six changes going into the game because... They're also protecting their players for the FA Cup final against Leicester. Um, you know, Chambers, Seveos, William, Pepe, Martinelli got, you know, uh, bench. In came Marie, Tierney, Party, Odegaard and Aubameyang. What was your thoughts on the line? It was a very, I could say, we called a pragmatic lineup. It wasn't a side that was going to attack and dominate the game. I think it was a side that, you know, they have Aubameyang with a pace. On, and then you have Tierney and, and Saka, who can also cause havoc while you have your party. And Alneni was going to actually, you know, bolster the midfield. So it wasn't going to be a very adventurous side. I was like, okay, you know what? Uh, Charles is probably going to, to, to overrun us. But let's just start to just say, um, kind of play a stable game and, you know, see where that goes. I, my hopes weren't high for this game, to be honest with you. And I mean, Arsenal, I think you revert back to, you know, the, the FA Cup final run that we've always been talking about. But I mean, look, Arteta keeps on. Um, I mean, he's actually, I mean, look, we used to always have jokes about, um, what was it, former Chelsea coach, that Italian? Sari uh, or Conte? Sari, no, not really Conte, the one. Oh, that When we won the Invincible season, I just can't get to that. Oh, no, oh, right. not Yaneri. Ranieri, yes. Where they used to lay, like, I think we used to always have a chuckle about it, where they would call him the Tinker Man. And yeah. actually, stat where they said, of Arteta's 36 or something games that he's now coached, he's actually, yeah, 36 games, he's actually changed the squad about, like, every, like, yeah, for 34 games, he's also chopped and changed, so he's never really had a, you know, consistent starting eleven. I think sometimes they, they, it happens, like say in Europe, and then maybe you know it overlaps into the league. If you know if they weren't too overworked in the midweek at Europa League games, but this is the league game. He never sticks to a, a fixed eleven. So, and that's also what what adds to you know that we talk about that inconsistency where you don't have a sort of team that can actually grow and bond as a group. So it's almost like you know when when, when Arteta is almost like I think this is where you can see we still. Um, you know, very green to the job, where he's, it almost like he kind of goes into like a panic, so like, oh, after he analyzes the game, and he's like, oh, it's not going to work, this time. so I'm going to have to mix and match it again for the next week. And then, of course, that team is not also gelling together, right, and then you see him, you know, doing this whole thing again from over and over, so he never, he needs to get the sort of, you know, a fixed 11 that he knows, okay, this is my, like, like the way Pepe is, where he knows this is my strongest 11, and then I've got like a like my say my in uh, air quotes a, a strong B eleven that you know is or, or like you know can play as a group as an eleven on their own or you can just cherry pick which one you want and and make the sort of adjustment. But other than that, you have a, a more fixed and stable squad. I think that is what we've really been missing. And then like you know going back to the game, Arsenal passing and high press in the early minutes where it was really good because, I mean, it was sort of like that snappy stuff that I've been telling you about, even in our private chats, where I said, look, you want to do the high press, you're going to have to do it right. You can't, when you, you know, if you do it half assed you're not going to, it makes no sense because now you got to say two out of your three up front 
doing a high press and then the one is allowing almost like kind of backing off and allowing that that the opponent the the outlet to get out of the sort of high press but i mean that being said arsenal good in the opening salvos of the game six minute chelsea start getting themselves into the game they start also doing the opposition game letting us kind of chase the ball but i mean this is what, what also impressed me of arsenal somewhat they weren't falling for those little traps. They were rather thinking, okay, if you want to knock the ball about, you can knock it about. We're just going to sit and wait for you to attack. What was your thoughts at the, in the opening, you know, the way they were now sparring? No, I actually um, enjoy that because far too, like, you know, a lot of the times, for far too long, Arsenal get caught in this little game, this traps where they come out and then they get unlocked. And I think Chelsea deliberately were trying that thinking Arsenal were going to, you know, just come out at them and open up space for them. And uh, it was quite smart of the, the Gunners and uh, to the way he set his side out. And, you know, uh, you know, it could have so easily gone wrong with with, with um, individual lapses in concentration. And sometimes, you know, I, I have this mixed bag of emotions with Arteta. I'm like, you know, one moment I'm like, you know, maybe this guy is the guy for the job. He just needs to work on, you know, little things here and there. But his tactics are there. Just the players sometimes can't execute it. And we were very lucky as well. Because, I mean, Leno, was the one-on-one against, was it, was it Havas that missed the one-on-one? Yeah, because, look, that, that leads me to the next point. Because... Gabriel then plays also a hospital to- pass to Marie because I, I saw in, in the beginning, if you went on social media, people kind of slagging off Marie for that. But I mean, when you see how bad the pass is of Gabriel, that he plays it so short, and I mean, it kind of makes Marie have to almost like lunge for it. But I mean, Kai Havertz is fast enough, he, you know, beats uh, Marie. And I mean, I was personally banking on probably here, here comes the one goal we're going to concede already. And I mean, I think Harvard's kind of loses his, his nerve the minute he gets into the box. Leno, of course, is approaching and making himself big. And I think he tried to then be too cute, tried to chip the keeper. I mean, he, the ball ends up just landing on the top of the net. But I mean, close call for Arsenal, big warning shot. No, that, and, and that's what I'm like, you know, kind of referring to of Arsenal as a as a team. It's if you look back, you know, how much points were lost due to um, individual. It is, you know, players not concentrating, players not sticking to the game plan. Because you know, if we are to find ourselves wandled down at this point in the game, you know, you, you find the, the game's done, game plan out the window, you know, maybe Arteta had a plan to, to stifle Chelsea till the 60th minute and then, you know, coming on. We always say that, you know, Arsenal managers sometimes don't tactically set up for games. But, I mean, there was clearly a plan here and all it took was, you know, one hospital pass and suddenly, um, Arsenal would have been behind. But that being said, it, it did seem that that um, chance of Avavats did wake Arsenal up um, yeah. to get back into the game. I mean, of course, Arsenal's press was still on point up to, you know, 13 minutes still. Um, but the passing was getting erratic because I do recall in that, that, that little period in the game also where I was really getting frustrated at, at you know, what uh, not um, Thomas Party was doing because... He was getting caught in position instead of, you know, just doing a quick layoff. I mean, that is, I think, I mean, I just hope this is not something that we see changed in him as a player for next season. Because I don't know if he's still in that sort of mindset that, you know, in La Liga, you're going to still get off where people are going to back off. You're thinking, okay, this guy is a beast or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah I mean, as, I, as we said already last week, the Premier League is a different animal. If you're coming from another league, you're going to think, you know, we had such space in Serie A or the Bundesliga or... Um, La Liga, 
you in the Premier League, you're gonna have people literally on your ankles or on your toes trying to nick the ball off you. Then 16th minute, Arsenal, you know, still keeping up the old press. Uh, Zuma then plays the ball to Jorginho, and he, but like I don't know what Zuma was also thinking because I think that was a dangerous pass. If you look at it like you know from a wider range, because Aubameyang immediately picks up on on who's going to get the ball. Smith Rowe is already racing to him, and then by the time Jorginho now notices, you know he's going to be closed down by two players. He's not also he's almost like oblivious to Kepa moving away from his goal to you know get a better space for clearance for the back pass, and I mean. And Georgina ends up just hitting a back pass at the goal, which, I mean, yeah, even kids are taught, you don't pass at the goal a back pass. You pass it all, you know, to the side of the one post, the side of the other post, but never at goal. And by the time Kepa now realizes, oh, shit, I'm now in trouble because I'm out of the goal. He tries to recover the situation. He ends up palming the ball. But, I mean, Aubameyang is on the end of it. And I really thought Aubameyang was going to choke this thing up because I was just worried, you know, because he has now a golden opportunity. But, I mean, props to... Our skipper, he ends up composing himself, almost like uh, seizes up the situation, and then he sees uh, Smith Rowe, you know, peeling off the last man. And I mean, he just lays a perfect ball off, and I mean, Smith Rowe eats a ball on target. But I mean, geez, what a scuff shot. One or yeah. <laughs> It seems like he's getting a taste for scoring in the Premier League now after his first goal. One or Arsenal, but. You know, not to, it wasn't convincing getting us there. I mean, we, we kind of were gifted that goal. But, I mean, after that goal, it just seemed like Chelsea were the ones that came out of the shell even more so. And Arsenal were just, you know, we were just here to frustrate. Yeah, because, look, I think what worried me also the most was, look, you're allowing that pressure onto you. But it was like Chelsea, when, well, it was like the stranglehold was so tight in that first period where Arsenal were just getting the ball. You know, that when we, we, we used to talk about when you're playing a, a team in the lower half of the league, where they just, you know, just hacking the ball forward, but they're making no progression because the ball is just coming back at them, back at them all the time. And I think that is what was... I was actually getting worried because I thought to myself, look, you can only also defend for so much because yeah. that ball is going to be breached soon enough because you can't... Because I was just thinking also, there needs to be a period where Arsenal just holds onto the ball. I mean, not doing anything fancy, but just keeping possession of the ball. But... I think people like Gabriel was kind of losing the heads. And this is something that it's also been, I mean, I, I told you also, this is my also my biggest concern with Gabriel. I mean, he's a good defender, but the way he panics when, when you know, when, when you got the, the pressure really cranked up on him, I do worry because you get say somebody like, like Marie, who's like a cool and calm head, but I still think you're going to bring also the best out of Gabriel if you have, a, you know, established, or season defender next to him. I'm not saying now, look, with double Louise in it, but I'm just saying, like, coming up for the new season, you do need somebody like that, or maybe somebody of his age, uh, in his age group, but also that's somebody that, that has it sort of, uh, you know, what we know, like, say with Tony Adams, we already, you almost like you radiate that sort of leadership in your game already, and that sort of defender we do need, whether he's going to be a young player or, you know, somebody that's now a good few years on him. Need something, somebody seasoned in that defence because I just think even Marie is a good defender, but I think he also performs better if he has somebody that he can rely on next to him. And it's not like you have a whole kind of like, you know, a shit show if you have one that's, that's quick on the panic and, you know, one that's playing his ass off. So something should be balanced out there also in defence. 
No, I agree with you. I mean, we see the holding and, and Gabriel and they play together. It always turns into a kind of a nightmare with the two of them. But yeah, Arsenal very much burned into their own half for the majority of the first half. I mean, Leno had to also make some very good saves and Arsenal's defenders were putting their body on the line as well. Yeah, and then 25th minute, Mason Marble's actually been a thorn in our side in most of this game because I know he's a sort of midfielder that you and I always kind of long for in the Arsenal team because he always finds himself in that sort of places where he's either going to set up a goal or he's there to have a pop at goal because I mean, he was peppering numerous times either shots that were going to get blocked or he actually, you know, stung Leno's palms a few times. Um, then 36 minutes, the ball again breaks to Mason Mount. The same El Nini, you know, snaps out the danger. I think prior to that, it was even Marie that threw his body you know, in front of a, sh- a shot. It was Goldbound. And uh, I mean, as you said, now Arthur just couldn't get out to the off for the second minute. Pulisic then burst into the Arsenal box. The same Thomas party, you know, manages to close him down quite fast, not, you know, giving him time to figure out the situation. So we move on to the second half, 50th minute. I mean, by then also Chelsea made the, the half-time change with Hudson Odoi coming on. Um, Chelsea, of course, you know, they come into this whole dominating type brand of football because they all like new kind of sense blood that they're going to get a sort of chance against us. I mean, Hudson Odoi, 54th minute, finds space. Gives a ball to Mason Mount, and I mean, he gets again. You can see he already's ready to pull the trigger, but I mean, Maria's quick to the situation, and I mean, he just smothers him and, you know, stops the shot from coming in. So, you know, Arsenal really all ends with the pump at the moment. Yeah, I know that was, it was quite crazy how, how we were getting pinned into our own heart, pinned in like that. It was, it was you know, we kind of got overran like that against City in that FA Cup semi-final, but, you know, we still made opportunities for ourselves, but it just seemed like Arsenal could not get the foothold in the game, and every time the ball went away, Chelsea came back, and they came back, and, you know, I thought to myself, it's a matter of time before Chelsea scored, because it wasn't a feasible way to play at any sort. Yeah, then 61st, but it blues, and think they got back into the game, when Pulisic nods the ball into goal, but then, I mean, due to VAR check, you can actually see his cliff, like I think a good one or two feet offside when the, the ball gets crossed in. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I thought it was one nil actually. I was I I, I, just, I I got up and walked away from the screen and just you know it was so pissed over there. I came back and I thought okay no it, it, it's it's allowed. Yeah, so 66 minutes, Ballerin comes on off for Saka who was I think carrying a. And niggle because I mean, he wasn't that not that you know happy unhappy of being subbed off, but you could see physically he didn't look right when he came off. Then 79th minute, Arsenal then bring on Lacazette for Aubameyang, and I mean Aubameyang seemed totally shocked, shocked and gobsmacked when he had to now come off. Um, I just think to myself, <clears throat> since look, he wasn't. Um, how can I say? Look, he wasn't really having an impact with with you know, in the attacking side, but look, he was adding extra body into midfield. He was also making it difficult for them. Like, you know, with Chelsea couldn't just go all, you know, gung-ho and, and throw everybody forward. So he also gave that sort of aspect to the game. So, I mean, I was also, I mean, I actually felt also he's disappointed because I think he was offering at least something in a, like, the physical sense, like, you know, the way he was now closing down and, and trying to help with the high press. Um, then 83rd minute, Reese James and getting across for Hudson Odoi. But Bellerin ends up making a fantastic interception, but of course injuring himself in the process. I mean, he ends up he tries off um, 
running it off. Because I don't know if you know, Hyper extended the knee or whatever he did land awkward when he came, you know, landing from that, that, that interception. Chambers then has to come on for him. So what was your thoughts? Like another injury, like probably the last time we see him as well. Yeah, at this, yeah, I think it's the last time we see him. Uh, I was even saying like, you know, this is probably like his last contribution as an Arsenal player to, um, to, 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 to prevent that opportunity of Chelsea to score. It's a bit sad for him to, to see him go, but I do think, you know, he, he stagnated at the club um, from when he started, you know, it seemed like an injury of this injury he was never the same again. I don't know. What's, what's your take on, on him? Yeah. Yeah, that is so true because, I mean, the other day my daughter was asking me about, um, I don't know, we were watching a Barcelona game and then I was telling her about, you know, Sergio Roberto that was, I mean, look, he was a, a right back, um, a defensive midfield that was converted into a right back at Barcelona. At speed, at everything to his game, he got injured and he's almost like never been, he's, he's also like having, like he'll play four games and a setback, four games or eight games setback. And I, and I was just trying to compare. So I said, this is the same thing with Bellerin. I mean, he was fantastic leading up to that North London derby where we beat Spurs 4-2. Then he does his knee in there. And, you know, that first thing that you pick up when he, when he made his recovery and, and came back after, what was it, eight or nine months, that speed was, I mean, as much as he was trying. I mean, and I mean, you can see he was trying. If, his videos also on on YouTube where, where his recovery period during that, that time. And you can see, he worked his butt off to get himself, you know, back into contention in the squad again and to the team setup. But you can just see when you watch him play, he's lost that that sort of that edge that actually took him to next you know, to another level as as a right back. So I mean, I, I find it a shame that you know it, it peters out in that way. But as you said, then I'd rather go in also like when he leaves that sort of moment that you not just said with a, that sort of interception where you know like that was his last contribution that leads us, you know, in this uh, in this game. Yeah, no, I de- definitely agree. And I mean, you know, you uh, a perfect prime example of, you know, that Pelerin we miss is, I don't even remember, there was two moments actually, the one against Bayern Munich in that 2-0 win where he just was just against Iago or somebody, he just gets the ball and he just starts bursting down that right wing and, and Thiago couldn't keep up with him and he yeah. crosses it in for that Ozil against Swansea or was it Watford that we chases back almost from his own half. He chases um, the attacker who's going, you know, goalkeeper to beat and you see Ballerin from his own box, I mean, from the opposition box chasing back and makes a, a last-ditch tackle. So, you know, you all the positives and he did love the club, but I think it is time, you know, to move forward and try to get more players that is going to make a difference in various positions and not just have them as placeholders. I mean, one thing I always like, uh, one of the, the top memories that I have of Bellerin is, um, you know, when, when we played Chelsea at the Emirates, and I don't know if he was trying to win the ball in midfield, and I think he ended up getting out muscled, and Pedro takes the ball and starts, you know, heading to the Arsenal goal, and everybody is like kind of stagnant and, and not really moving, and, and almost like out of the blue, you just see there's a red burst coming down the side. <laughs> And I mean, you can see even Pedro was surprised when the tackle came in and he got, you know, it was a heavy tackle, but I mean, a fair one where Ballon just nicks the ball off him. And I thought, I mean, that's the sort of Ballon that I always like, you know, think of when when, when you would play or even that when he used to score that cracker jack goals against Chelsea also at Stanford Bridge or yes. Emirates and that. 
So, you know, back to the game. Um, 90th minute, Zuma then ends up uh, getting a nice looping header, which, I mean, at first, I Leno had it under control. And then, of course, you start seeing he's kind of in problems trying to backpedal. And he manages to get like, a hand to it, but it's not the strongest of hands because you can actually see it that bends his hand even <laughs> And I mean, he ends up tipping it onto the ball. And as the rebound drops, you see Giroud of all people coming to, you know, and, and I just thought to myself, please, you know, be almost like over motivated when you're going to come in. And I mean, you can see he just wanted to belt this ball into the roof of the net. And I mean, he ends up smashing the top of the bar. So I mean, there's like two shots of Charles that eat the crossbar. And I mean, we really, you know, it was like hugging lady luck in this game. Yeah, it was a heart-stopping moment. I really thought that, that your new shot was going in because he always bounces on the end of things. It just shows also having that strong, robust striker, you know, who can challenge for things in the air or even try to make a volley of that. So, you know, we, we, we take the points at the bridge and suddenly um, Europe seems like a slight possibility now which with the last two games to the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, look, destiny is not in our hands. We have to not just see that, you know, the others mess up. And I mean, look, the others have been kind of letting slip. Because I mean, I, I still think Liverpool will probably get the European spot. But I mean, when you see Everton dropping points away from home, um, you also don't know what to someone's expect of Tottenham under this interim coach. Um, so, yeah, as we, we now... I mean, it's actually strange to also play the second-last game of the season on a Wednesday night again. Uh, this time, uh, 13th place Crystal Palace face us in ninth. Uh, you know, two teams have drawn the last three matches against each other, which kind of tells you how Roy Arsenal always sets his squad up. I think it's probably his last as well at the club because... From what I've heard or even read, also um, Crystal Palace are or are looking for, you know, a, long, a younger coach to because I think that the team as a whole has aged drastically, you know, to, as a group. Yeah. Which is we talked about that also already. We, we the age a team age like get together is going to be almost like a, the the you know the project rebuild is going to be even bigger than for them for the Crystal Palace. So yeah, they're going to bring that whole setup in. Uh, Crystal Palace lost five games, one win. Uh, four losses. Arsenal lost five, three wins, one loss, one draw. Um, the Crystal Palace plays to watch uh, Zaha, who's got only 10 goals for his name. They take it with eight and that easy with uh, four goals. Lacazette, I mean, he's still top goal scorer for us in the league with 13. Alba with 10 and I think Pepe with six. Oh, it's... it's um... It would have been nice to also be able to grab a guy like Wilfred Zaha when we had the opportunity to do but I, I don't know. I think now he's, with a few seasons gone, you know, it, it could be a big risk spending that much on him and he's, what, 28 now already. Yeah, and I mean, the Crystal Palace wants something like 80 million for him. So, I mean, it's, I, I thought I'd rather take somebody or bring somebody in that's, you know, early 20s that's already of that level of football. Yes. I can still go higher. Yeah, we still need to get or like that, a player that will still have, say, a resale value if it don't go our way, but also somebody that can contribute or stay around at the club if it clicks for a good few seasons with us. No, yeah, definitely. But I think um, the Palace has, like, we haven't seemed to have, have beaten the um, Palace was since 2018 or 2017, sorry, when Alexis Sanchez still, still bagged a few for us. So, you know, we have to go back that far to. to um, to get the result against Palace. So, I think it will be a very tough game. I think 
you know, maybe Arsenal have a bit more to play for for Palace. I mean, they've avoided relegation and, and you know, quite safe and comfortable in the table. So, I'm not sure how Arteta is going to approach this game. But, you know, hoping that we can get the points at least. I think, you know, go more adventurous this time around. Because, you know, as I said, you know, Roy Archer is going to probably tell them just to sit and wait and wait and wait. So, I think we, you know, have a couple of strong guys in midfield. I mean, of course, there's still also no word on... Um, you know, if if Jaka's even coming back to the the squad setup and that in the in the last couple of games, um, you know that's now the last kind of talking point I have. But for uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you have any talking points, but yeah. I might just you know that players in this past week now that have now said they would like to leave the club. I mean, David Luiz is now that that's now official with the. Contact tools are now totally fallen like on its like you know fallen flat. He is now going to leave at the end of the season. Um, people like Jaka, Leno, and William have now asked like you know if offer comes in, they will probably you know would like to listen to something like it. So, what's your thoughts on the players so far? I I think just the fact that Leno is going uh, to me a bit makes me a bit sad because I think of of that whole bunch of guys. Um, He's probably the guy that, you know, would get into a lot of teams starting 11. Mm. And has the potential to be, you know, uh, our number one stopper for the long-term future. And that being said, you know, it was silly then to get it with Martinez. If you didn't know where, where Leno's head was at, you know, yeah. if you have sold Leno at the start of the season, if he, say, if he said, you know, if after this season it doesn't go well, I want to leave where Martinez would probably have stayed at the club for years to come because I think he's was loyal to the club and he loved the club and you know you could have brought him in a younger maybe replacement to, to to do the job with Martinez so a bit disappointed about that and yeah it, it is, yeah your thoughts on those guys um yeah I was a bit shocked with the like Leno first and foremost because I mean I, I first thought it's just a straight up you know like a rumor but. I think now that that was with Dortmund, um, they were already in the pipeline for a new goalkeeper coming in, in a new season. And I think he's probably nothing okay if we, it's like a return back to Germany. He's probably that would be now the best outlet with a team that that's gonna also have a new coach, uh, probably a new project also with like you know with a rebuild because look they also have to do a, a, a sort of rebuild. Um, David Luiz, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it with him leaving. As I said, I would like also somebody. You know, a seasoned guy, even if it's somebody in his late twenties, that that, but a capable guy, not just you know, you know, taking just anybody on the market. Um, with William, I'd be, you know, I'm comfortable with that in leaving. And I think Jaka, I mean, that was in my, like my personal opinion. I was always thinking that line anyway for the summer. We like, you know, he sees it out this season still. But I mean, in in the, in the summer, you actually get the more mobile, like somebody as strong as him, but somebody more mobile as well. Because I think that is what hurts us the most in this. If you look at the like, what's hurt us over the course of a season, the, like the midfield are not bossing a, a, the game enough. They're not scoring enough. They're not even creating enough. So I mean, that is the biggest you know, headache for us. And I think because I don't think that the defense you have to tinker too much with. You get maybe your like a backup left back, a season centre back, and then I think up front also we would need something different. Because look uh, from the year. Lacazette like, could still bring in quite a bit, you know, financially to the club because I think you can bring in anything between thirty-five and forty million. So uh, I think that would also be a you know a thing where 
your fans also need it because look, it's, it's going to need also not just fans at the clubbers themselves, you know, uh, like from the, uh, the, their own fans. They are also going to need serious investment from Sam Kroenke because that's the only way we are going to go forward because you can't try to feed. Because this is where I find it so annoying with the Arsenal strategy recruitment wise. It's like they try to put this little band aids on to fix a problem. They don't think, I mean, if you try to think like in the business sense, and I mean, you were in that field. If you think on the why is it, are you going to now every time fix the little problem, fix it at the end of the day, or if you go down the line, you've actually paid uh, something close to what that Man City put for the whole uh, squad together. So, I mean, I think the, 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 the problem also lies at boardroom level and at the, the technical level. I think Arteta needs almost like somebody that he can now almost like trust and rely on that, that will get and, and will scout better because, as I said, I think the last week or two weeks ago, it was so pathetic was pre-COVID, we had the, the Arsenal with the scouting system. Then you had the COVID period where Arsenal said, okay, we're going to drop that. We're going to go through the data analytics way. And now here for the new season, now that thing is going to be shelved again. Now we're going to, for, for summer, we're going to have a, a new scouting setup team. So you see, you need some sort of balance. You want to be a big club, you have to start thinking big and not like small time. No, that's definitely true. I, I I agree with all your sentiment, hundred percent. And I hope we actually you know start stepping up and recruiting better and doing things better. I just have an interesting fact before you wrap up. Um, do you know Arsenal got the most points, the I mean, third most points since Christmas? I mean, you get City with fifty-seven. It was Man United with forty-four, and Arsenal with forty-one. And you just have to go back to that run. What probably cost Arsenal, you know, to get yeah. anywhere near top spot was that Man City losing to Man City, losing to Leicester, we beat United. Then we lost to Aston Villa. We lost. We threw to Leeds. Lost to Wolves. Lost to Tottenham. Lost to Burnley. Threw to Southampton, and you know, sprinkle a few. Other results, you know, that, that 1-1 draw against Burnley where we were, were on top of things and also yeah. that Wolves game. So, you know, uh, and you have to ask yourself, you know, in those games, where did those, like, it was all in the, like some individual areas, you know, against Burnley, Xhaka lost his school, you know, the, both games he tried to choke the player and the one where he tried to play the one across his goal mouth. You look at, you know, Wolves, the red card that was in in... The incorrect decision, the game against Aston Villa, we uh, we sure as hell didn't turn up, and also against Leeds United, where Pepe lost his head. So, you know, you don't have to look at these these results here and there and say, you know, what could have been in the season if if Arsenal had sorted that run out earlier, and also mm. like the contribution Emil Smith Rowe did by coming in and adding that creative presence in the middle of the park. So, you know, let's hope we can build on this from next season, and yeah. Pick up the three points against Palace when we play them. Yeah, I fully agree. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend, guys. Take care. Bye. Cheers, guys.